Sasha. Hey, Courtney. What do dogs have at brunch? I don't know. What? Woofles. Ah, with bacon. And kibbles and bits and kibbles and bits and kibbles and bits and baby bits. It's spoof hour. It's begging time. introduce our new sponsor literally every commercial from like 20 years ago about dog food it's about dog food <laughs> thanks bacon strips it's bacon 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 bacon, bacon, bacon. bacon. <laughs> <laughs> i love bacon i love you i love bacon i love you it's spoof hour a paranormal comedy podcast hosted by two halloweenies this one's courtney this one's sasha my brain is melting all of our brains are melting we're doing our best we are we're not going to talk about too much about what's going on in the world right now you are aware of it you're probably scared about it like we are. Oh, yeah. So all we will say is do what you need to do to get to an okay place. Wash your hands. Wash sing, your hands. Sing fun songs. It's true. Like, there is a list online. Like, you can find list after list of, like, different song snippets that are exactly 20 seconds long. And so for me, I sing different snippets of, who else? My beloved Bogman Hosier songs. There is one cover he does where the refrain is exactly 20 seconds. And then other songs of his that I'll do where it's like the refrain is like 24 seconds. And I'm like, I'll just wash my hands for four extra seconds because I'm really vibing on Jackie and Wilson today. You know. I sing the thong song. She does. Loudly. Very loudly. <laughs> like, I usually just like sing to myself and like cruise in my brain where like I'm playing it in my head as and if I'm listening to I it. I just went to the bathroom before we recorded and Courtney Sa- heard me through Sasha's the door. Sasha's just like, she had dumps like a truck, 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 truck. Guys like, what, what, what? Big movie, but, but, but. All long. Anyway, if you want something different, a half of our theme song is going to be 20 seconds because our theme song is 45 seconds long. But anyway, it's a very scary time. We are not making light of how scary of a time it is but we have to practice being good citizens of our community and we want you guys if you need it to have this podcast be like an hour off for you so this is all Mm. we're gonna say about it just like take care of yourself wash your hands be nice to the people around you don't be racist yeah don't lick things to to quote louisa the last at louisa the last on twitter it's a great time to have seasonal allergies and also anxiety hang in there hang in there we're all doing our best yep we really are did anything spooky happen to you this week uh, not, well, spookily amazing. Spookily amazing, because I, I bet it's the same thing that my spookily amazing thing is. Yes, so our listener, Nora, previously announced the winner of the t-shirt giveaway, and just all-around great person who did a doodle for us, also mailed us this package. We did not know what was going to be in the package. She's just like, I shipped you guys something. We're like, okay. And then I opened the package, and then I cried forever, because she made us... So that doodle she did, where she did little little cryptids saying mm-hmm. things we say on this podcast, she made plushy versions of the cryptid doodles. And they're so cute, you guys. They're so well made. I want to hold they're one so now. They're so substantial. I'm like obsessed with the Yeti's toes because they're so perfect. They're good little beans. I'm like, I, I love Mothman's wings and his little flower eyes. And I like that his eyes are flowers. They are. And the jackalope just, is so soft. And I just... She's got Nora, what the fuck? You did these without a pattern? Like, yeah, she did not use a pattern. She used a pattern on, I think, the flowers. The, the hey, little tail. The little t- anyway, Nora, thank you. We love all of our listeners equally. We don't want you guys to feel like, oh, I can't make things without a pattern. We still love you. That's okay. It's just that out of nowhere, Nora mailed us three handmade plushies. We, we've both been kind of having a go of it. So this this really helped. So it's, thank you, Nora. Yeah, we're hugging them while we record today. We are. So just like... I'm going to be hugging them that. forever. So know yeah. that. But if you picture us today, we're, we're on our pod couch just hugging it out. Yeah. So we also have a snack. Mm-hmm. I went to our local Korean bakery because I suspected that given that we're all practicing social distancing and everything and also racism... I had a feeling that my beloved local Korean bakery was likely suffering a business hit, so we bought a bunch of stuff, and we tipped very, very well, Mm -hmm. and we washed our hands before and after, and we stayed away from other people, so we did our best. Yep. So, 
you know. But anyway, our snack is little shoe puffs. They're so good. They're, the Shilla Bakery shoe puffs are so good. They're just the best. I love them. So we're having those yeah. with our little cryptid babies. And yeah. it's so good. I guess, yeah, my spooky thing of the week is uncertainty. Yeah. But we're just not going to talk too much about it. You nope. can see you can see my Twitter if you want to know yeah. about, like, all the feelings I'm having about school right now. Yeah. Because... I- there are so many feelings. But yeah. again, the spooky other spooky thing about this week is that my cat has become suddenly more affectionate because I think she understands. Yeah, that she's one. like, seems like you need this. Seems like you need this. And she, she just like plops down. But my other spooky thing is also I've started watching Twin Peaks. <gasps> so I, a person who's scared of everything, who has avoided <laughs> Twin Peaks for the first 29 years of my life, has decided now's, now's a good time. time to binge watch Twin Peaks. And let me tell you, very unsettling. Yep. I can't stop watching it though. Well. And the weird thing is, apropos of nothing, I started watching Twin Peaks just because I was like, oh, it's just on. Let me just watch it. Yeah. And then I visited my parents the other day to exchange some supplies. We were, like, doing a little, like, rationing and negotiation negotiations and stuff yes. of, like, you have wet wipes, well, I have toilet paper. <laughs> um, so I, I promise that none of us are hoarders. It's just no. that we just had extras of things. The last I will say on it, don't, don't hoard. hoard shit. Yeah. It was you just don't like, need to. Don't be like, an asshole. Don't be that fucking kid in Tennessee. Oh my god, right? Ooh. It was just more like Jack accidentally, he thought he was buying one container of wet wipes and they sent him four. Oops. But my parents were like, oh yeah, so like, what are you up to? And I was like, oh, I'm watching Twin Peaks and like, <laughs> you know, doing some crafting with my cricket. And they were like, oh, we're watching Twin Peaks too. And I was like, whoa. And I was like, when did you guys start? And they were like, last Thursday. And I was like, oh, because I also started last Thursday. Dun, so dun, dun. everyone in my family is now watching Twin Peaks at the same time without telling each other. So, Too spooky. Yeah. Animal Crossing comes out this week. That's the spookiest thing that's happening with Sasha. Yeah. I met, I made friends yesterday. The truly spookiest thing. <laughs> Making, Making friends. friends. In this economy. But some of them work at this very dysfunctional workplace. And I won't name it. And I won't name the business because I don't want to reveal their identity. But Tell someone, <laughs> someone is using their business. Are you familiar with the plot of uncut gems? Mm-hmm. Like deliberately mm-hmm. undervaluing gems so that you can buy them cheap and sell them for mm-hmm. a lot. Someone is literally using their business as a front to uncut gems. That's so funny. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding? And so like, I'm trying to be like a normal person and not like lose my goddamn mind in front of these people that I just met. But I'm just like, tell me everything. Tell me everything. No, no, don't change the subject. I'm not done with this yet. Get back to it. I need you to tell me everything after this podcast. (laughs) I absolutely will. Oh my God. It is so fucking, but I was just like, tell me more. Yeah, the guy telling it, I was just like, I had like full hard eyes and I'm like, tell me everything about the crime. Oh my God. (laughs) If you want to be Nintendo Switch friends. Whoa. You got to get with my friends. I'm going to say, pump those brakes, girl. Um, Wow. So now you're denying that we're going to be lovers? You already shut me down because of numerology. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) You shut me down. You don't get to cry. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Tighten it up. Tighten it up. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> Let me go back to what I was trying to say. Oh, um, if you want to be Nintendo Switch friends after you get Animal Crossing, or if you just want to be Nintendo Switch friends in general, let us know. Yeah. I, if, I want to have visitors to my island. If you, like me, are an extrovert and you maybe need a pick-me-up and you can't get any of your friends to hang out online, maybe we'll start like a spoop hour chat where mm-hmm. every so often we'll just get on while play Jackbox games. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The um, teacher group chat just moved to group me so that we have like an easier place to keep everyone yeah. in one place. Because we're all like, we're so used to seeing each other at work every day. Yeah. Like, I, I say this a lot about my English department, but like, I don't anticipate leaving my school anytime soon. Yeah. One, I like my kids. And two, now that we have like a permanent principal, I really like him. And yeah. he's like been doing a really good job this month that he's been here. But just the people I work with are so great. And we haven't had any turnover in two years. Right. Because we've just had like just such good. a stabil- stable environment. Mm-hmm. We all miss each other. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, so if you want to do, like, we could do a spoop hour group hang. Yeah, yeah that'd, be, that'd fun. be great. Yeah, we'll see if we can get that on the books. So there's hope to be found. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's fun. We're practicing virtual hangs. Let's mm-hmm. do this. So. What are we talking about today? I'm trying to think if that's all of our news and updates. I think it is. Mm-hmm. God, I Follow us at spoop hour oh, yeah. on Twitter and Instagram. Yes. We'll post things. Yeah. Maybe we'll do, like, an Instagram live thing. Yeah. Where we all just hang out and you can ask us questions and shit. Yeah. 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 That's probably the easiest way since you guys know where that is. Yeah. And like, Courtney and I are practicing social distancing, but like, yeah. we are also sitting on the same couch right now. We are. But we're responsibly sitting on the couch together. Yes, we we aren't like licking each other. Yeah. And also, neither of us is symptomatic, neither mm-hmm. of us has allergies, and we have both been very good about social distancing ourselves from other people. Yeah. So, 
we are going off of recommendations of, there's an article in the Atlantic about like the do's and don'ts of social distancing. I take a lot of great comfort in that article. Mm -hmm. So I highly recommend it's not behind the paywall. They deliberately took the paywall down so that everybody can access it right now. So it's just like, should I never see anyone ever again? What should I do? Like how severe do I have to be? How lax do I need? Like what, what's the good middle ground? So based on that, we are, I don't know, our faces are like, Three feet apart? Our faces are three feet apart. Yeah, we're fine. We just need to be both be able to reach the mic. (laughs) Yes, and we are because we're so loud. We are so loud. What are we talking about today, Sasha? We are talking about doggos. I was going to say, don't tell me you forgot. No, I was just scrolling through looking for where I, like, saved my stuff. Puppers. Puppers. Bork. Good, good pupperinos, dogs, all of that. Because what better than dogs? Yeah. In this challenging time. We've also done cats already. Yeah. So don't take this as both of us dunking on cats. You all know we love cats. We're just... <laughs> we both have cats. We both have cats. We have, there's a pod cat wandering around here somewhere. Anyway, we're yeah. doing dogs today. So we're going to do some dog lore, spooky mm-hmm. puppers, pupperinos. And then also heroic puppies. Yeah. Yeah, just to... I mean, because I'm going to be talking about like weird Japanese yokai dogs. <laughs> and some of them, to create the Japanese yokai dog is a little... Bleak. Bleak. Yeah. But I'm going to lift us all up at the end with heroic puppy stories. Yay! Yay! I got like two-thirds of the way into a story out of Ireland that I genuinely thought was about a dog, and then I realized, wait, this is a person who killed the dog, and then they called the person the dog of whoever. What the fuck is this about, Ireland? Jesus. So... I got real mad and I was like, I am not talking about this now, mm-hmm. except clearly I am because I'm talking about it in this second. But like, just <laughs> to say that I'm not going to talk about it anymore because that story sucked, but I'm talking about other Irish puppers. Hell yeah. So let's do, as I put it in my notes, Corgi Lorgi. Corgi Lorgi. <laughs> this is from Mental Floss, oh writing God. in margins.weebly.com, akc.org, corgicare.com, nationalpurebreddogday.com, oh. and Wikipedia. In Welsh lore, corgis are fey dogs. Even their name reflects their mythological status, with core meaning dwarf and gi meaning dog oh, in Welsh. Oh, they're little fairy dogs. They're little fairy dogs. I, I'm going to need you to hold on to that because it's, okay, I saw it's real fucking cute. Taking a walk one night. Jovin, oh, I know that corgi. His name is Hayden. We're like best buds. Is he a little burnt toasted marshmallow? He was mostly just brown. Yeah. Yeah, all brown. Yeah, and yeah. his owner seemed kind of like middle-aged young. Yep. Yep. Okay. Yep. yep. That's Hayden. Oh, Hayden. He's so good. Uh-oh. Anyway, fairies used to ride corgis into battle oh and then use them to pull their carriages. How <laughs> cute is this? <laughs> We're like 10 minutes into this and I've destroyed Sasha. It's they, so cute. They ride. They ride the little... Th- Bork, bork, bork. So cute. They also use them to pull their little fairy carriages, which is so cute. The corgis' distinctive tan coloring across their shoulders and backs are leftover marks from fairy saddles and riding gear. No, my God. Isn't that so cute? (laughs) The fairies are even responsible for why corgis largely don't have tails. One evening, after herding cows all day, a corgi refused to go out with the fairies who needed a lift somewhere. I'm tired, the corgi said, before going back to sleep. Respect. That's all I wanted her. Well, the fairies did not like this answer one bit. They begged and pleaded and tried to get the corgi to take them somewhere, but it just didn't work. Then the queen of the fairies got involved. To retaliate against the corgi for his laziness, she cursed him thusly. I will bind your tail to the ground with my magic so that you are trapped. You will never be free until you become my slave to be ridden whenever I desire. Oh, no. This woke the corgi up, though he said that he would never give in to such a threat. He tried to get up to leave, but sure enough, his tail was stuck fast to the ground. He pulled and pulled and finally got loose, but whoops, his tail remained stuck on the ground. That's why corgis don't have tails. Oh, my God. Humans got corgis courtesy of the fairies, though the legends don't agree on exactly how. In one version, two children stumbled across what they thought were foxes in the woods, but they were actually corgis. So the assumption there was like the corgis got free of the fairies or they got separated somehow. And then the kids were like, foxes? But they weren't. They were little baby corgis. Because that one looks a little bit like a fox. Yeah. A little fox face. Yeah, because they have little pointy ears and little pointy faces. Yeah, you know. It's not unfox-like. No. We're just going to destroy ourselves with cuteness today. It's fine. The better and more detailed story starts with a war between two fairy tribes. Oh, I was going to look up how to say this. Uh Uh-oh. Because Welsh has a lot of letters, and I 
did not. So let's just go ahead and see if the internet will help me. It's spelled till with teg. Which means it's probably pronounced like Tim. I mean, again, there was something recently Jack and I were looking up that was video game related. Yeah. And much like in is it Final Fantasy VII, there's like a couple of characters that are spelled with like very Welshy spellings. Yeah. And unless you look up like the Japanese pronunciation guide, people just like pronounce it completely incorrectly. Yep. Because in Japanese, everything's phonetic anyway. So like she tells you exactly how to pronounce it. But yeah, I, now I can't remember what it was because I was like trying to explain it to Jack and he was like, yeah, it's this thing. And I was like, what? And so I looked it up and I was like, oh no, you pronounced it incorrectly. He goes, wait, how are you supposed to pronounce it? I'm like, it's fucking Welsh. Talwitig. Talwitig? Talwitig. Talwitig is not how I would have, because that's how it's spelled. Yeah, Talwitig. Okay. okay, so we're going to say that. So it's not Twilith. No. Sorry, listeners from Wales. The Talwitig, we're doing battle with the fuck, there's another one. <laughs> what the fuck, there's another one. God I thought, damn. I thought you, the word was fuck or something. Fuck. Like F-A-E-K or something. Fick. 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 You know what would be a good thing to watch during this time? Everything. Dairy Girls. Yes! I haven't watched the second season. Oh, it's good. You should. I also heard really good... Oh, that's... That's spelled like it sounds! Ugh. So... Do you want to start this over from the beginning? No. (laughs) The people need to hear how much I suffer for them to (laughs) pronounce things. So, the Tilwateg... How was it? Tilwateg? Tilwateg. The Tilwateg and the Gwilian were fighting. Then they are fairy tribes. They hate each other almost as much as I hate having to pronounce Welsh words, which is a lot. But I do it for you, the listeners. During one of the battles between the two factions, two members of the Tilwateg were killed. It would be the one that's harder to say, but that's fine. It's lore. I don't get to complain. During the funeral procession for these two members, two children stumbled upon the scene. Either to keep the kids quiet or because the kids seemed nice, I guess, the fairies gifted the noble steeds of the departed warrior fairies to the children to help with their cattle herd thing. she thinks I'm a noble steed. (laughs) And they are noble steeds, so they got two corgis. I assume it's to keep them from being like, Mom, Dad, we saw fairies today. It's more like, here, we got a dog. Take these, now shut the fuck up. (laughs) fuck out of here, kids. Get the fuck out. A representative of the Tilwateg told the children about the dogs, saying, quote, They are trained warriors in their own right, but they are more than warriors. They are great helpers for the fairy folk. If you have a corgi with a tendency to get a little nippy because they are fairy dogs, if you give them a collar with a little bit of iron on it, they'll stop biting you because they have the natural fairy aversion to iron. Oh. So if you have a misbehaving corgi, just a little baby bit of iron. Like, not, not a ton. You could just have, like, the tag be made out of iron, and then the corgi will stop biting you. And that's Corgi Lorgi. Corgi Lorgi. They're fairy dogs, and it's real cute. I feel like, have we seen any... Oh, well, I was going to say, like, have we seen any, like, examples in pop culture of, like, corgis being... With fairies? Well, maybe not with fairies, but even, like, in, like, a... Because I was thinking just now about it was uh, the borrowers, like, Arietti. Mm-hmm. I think she rides a cat at some point. Nice. And so I was, like, trying to think of, like, have I seen, like, a story where someone rides a corgi? And I, like, can't remember if I've ever seen this before. I don't know. I, I'm doing a real quick Google. Yeah. It's not It's not coming up. Well, there's a book called The Corgi Chronicles by Laura Madsen. Well, that sounds like a book I should read. And it's got... That's the book cover. (laughs) Well, that's going on Instagram. Please send that to me. That's real cute. (laughs) That's being printed on my soul forever. Oh my god, that's so funny. Okay, well, then maybe I'll... I'll find that. Yeah, mostly the depictions of pop culture corgis you'll see are the corgis that Queen Elizabeth loves and raises. Yep. And Stephen King has a corgi. You have Ayn from Cowboy Bebop. Yes. But I... Okay. (laughs) This brings it all back full circle to the joke. I think Ayn is a dumb name for a corgi. I know, I know. It's the lore and I don't get to make up what things are called. I think it would be cuter if that corgi were named Waffles. So when my boyfriend and I watched Cowboy Bebop together, I routinely referred to that corgi as Waffles. So he'd go, Ayn, and I'd be like, who? And then he'd go, Waffles. Oh my god, okay, can I read the the summary on the back cover of this book? Please Okay, so the book again is called The Corgi Chronicles by Laura Madsen. When mythology meets reality, 
Pippin may look like a big-eared, short-legged dog, but he's a magical corgi. Fairies ride corgis because they're too small to ride horses. <laughs> Pippin lives undercover with a human family, but his secret mission is to serve Aliana, an earth fairy, as her faithful steed. Amazing. Aliana and Pippin learn that a thief has stolen the Russell gem, a source <gasps> of all the good magic on earth. If the thief destroys the gem, all magic will wither and die, including Aliana. Can they stop the thief before he kills magic? Ages 6 to 12. Facebook.com slash Pippin the Corgi. Well, Facebook.com <laughs> Sasha, you know what you have to Pippin do. Pippin the Corgi. Haha. <laughs> Pippin Corgi. Oh my god, that's so fucking oh cute. Oh my god. Well, if okay. you know the people who wrote Pippin the Corgi and like who are responsible for this, maybe put them in touch with us because congratulations to them. That's so fucking cute. Right? Oh my god. Okay. Do you want to hear about Inugami? I do. Okay. So, I'm going to be talking about Inugami, I'm going to be talking about Shisa, Koma Inu, Hoko, and I'm going to just bring it back to Yamabiko, because we've talked about Yamabiko before. It's a type of yokai that I think we talked about in the yokai episode. Mm -hmm. But they're all dog types of, like, Japanese spirits, yokai, all that. Okay. So, Inugami literally means dog god or dog spirit. Yay! Yay! And... Its habitat are usually towns and cities, usually in the service of wealthy families. Mm -hmm. They are carnivorous, though they're usually starved on purpose, and I'll talk about that in just a second. Interesting. So Inugami are kind of familiar or a spirit of possession, which are found in Kyushu, Shikoku, and elsewhere in western Japan. I think there are there's some evidence of it also in Okinawa and like other parts of southern Japan. Mm. But in public, Inugami looks identical to an ordinary dog in order to blend in with society. However, its true form is that of a desiccated mummified dog's head, often dressed up in ceremonial trappings that's kept safe and away from prying eyes in a secret shrine in its owner's house. I don't like this as much as I did when it started. Yeah, that's why I told you last yeah. night. I was like, I don't think I'm little... gonna. Yeah, Sasha messages me and she's like, I'm gonna do Inugami. And I'm like, great. And then a couple minutes later, she goes, actually, I might not do Inugami and I'm like but it means dog god I, I want to know tell me about the dog god yeah. so <laughs> they do have much in common with other familiars like Shikigami or Kitsune mm-hmm. they're more commonly used in areas where foxes are not found and such as in major population centers so like you might not find a Kitsune in a major city yeah, but like you'll find Tokyo, a dog but yeah yeah there is also an evidence of ancient tradition of Inugami worship again stretching down from western Japan all the way to Okinawa Powerful sorcerers were said to be able to create these spirits through monstrous ceremonies and then use them all for, like, like nefarious deeds. Inugami will serve their masters loyally, performing tasks just like a faithful dog. So they're basically, like, these malicious, like, sorcerers are right. exploiting the whole thing that dogs are loyal. They are loyal to one person or one family only, and unless seriously mistreated, they will remain loyal forever, and the spirits can be passed down from generation to generation like an heirloom. The technique for creating these fetishes was passed down along bloodlines, and such families are known as inugami mochi, meaning, like, I have an inugami. The family will keep their inugami hidden in the back rooms of their houses, under their beds, in dressers, or hidden among water jars. It's said that a family owned as many Inugami as there were members of the household, and when a new person joined the family, they too received their own familiar. Inugami were treated like family members by Inugami mochi families, and most of the time would quickly run out to do their master's bidding any time their master wanted something. However, like living dogs, a occasionally resentful Inugami might betray a master that grew too abusive or domineering, mm. savagely biting him to death. And while Inugami, like other familiar spirits, were created to bring wealth and prosperity to their families, occasionally they might turn on them and cause a family to fall into ruin. So, like other tsukimono or possession spirits, Inugamis are beings of powerful emotion and are very good at possessing emotionally unstable or weak people. They Mm. usually do so by entering through the ears and settling into the internal organs. Mm. People who have found themselves possessed by Inugami or even if it was like suspected that they were possessed, yeah. were in for some serious misfortune. Oh. The only way to be cured of Inugami Tsuki is to hire another sorcerer to remove it, and this could take a very, very long time and involve a lot of money. Oh! <laughs> um, signs of possession... Have we considered that the Inugami is in it with the sorcerer that they Have we considered, yeah. Like... So It goes all the way to the top. <laughs> signs of Inugami possession include chest pains, pain in the hands, feet, or shoulders, feelings of deep jealousy, and suddenly barking like a dog. 
<laughs> Some victims develop an intense hunger and turn into gluttons, and it's said that people who die while possessed by Inugami are found with markings all over their body, resembling teeth and claw marks of a dog. Mm. Not only humans, but animals like cows and horses or even inanimate objects can be possessed by Inugami. Tools possessed by such a spirit become totally and un completely unusable. Basically, by the Heian period, which was about a thousand years ago, mm -hmm. practicing Inugami creation and sorcery like this was outlawed. Mm -hmm. And part of it was, one, the way they created it. I'm not going to go into it because it's upsetting. Yeah, we don't But have to know. then also, like, basically using any other animal spirits to create sorcery was also frowned upon. So they yeah. basically stopped it there. Inugami... Are, have appeared in Persona games. <laughs> um, that's actually like one of the places that I've been learning a lot about, like yokai lore and stuff, mm -hmm. because they have like Western like spirits and stuff that you know are made into spirits in the game. But then yeah. they also have a lot of yokai, and mm. I've seen an Inugami, and it's a big, long, skinny boy. Aww. Another yokai that I want to talk about is the Koma Inu. Real quick, yeah. can I tell a dog story from Please. when I went to Japan? Yes. So last January I went to Japan. And while we were in Kyoto, we stayed in a ryokan, which is a traditional inn. And it was super cute. Highly recommended. It was, it was adorable. But across the street from the room we were in was this little church. There was a van parked in the church driveway. And the van had two little dog stickers on it. Oh my god. And the dogs were labeled with their names. And their names were Chip and Potato. Oh, Chip and Potato. And like, I lost my mind. Jack oh my and I god. freaked out. We were like, oh my god, Chip and Potato. That's so cute! Oh my gosh. Chip potato. My great aunt had a dog named Muffin and a cat named Cookie. Oh! I know, when I was growing Animals up. Animals named after food. Send us pictures of your pets named after food. If you have a dog named Waffles, yes. bonus points. Yes, or a dog named Chip or Potato. If you are the person who owns that van... Hit us up. You hit me up. I will say, I did not name Zelda after food, but mostly I, I have, most of her nicknames are food-based. Yeah. Because I routinely call her Bun. Yeah. Because she's a little bun. Yeah. I call mine Dumpling. Aw. I call mine... Well, I call mine Stinky. <laughs> she likes to stick her ass in my face. You're welcome. And, like, I know it's a good thing, right? <laughs> but, like... She like settles in and like, and then she's puts like, her, "Here's puts my her butt." Her paws on my lap, her front paws, and like lies down, and then has her butt just sticking right up in my face, and I'm like, "Okay, stinky, let's let's settle in more." She's like, "No, that's yeah." <laughs> so my I yeah I call her I call her puddin. Sometimes I call her dumplin. Mm. I call her. Most cats that I know, I have food nicknames yeah. for. Like, she looks so majestic. She's very majestic. Hi, boop. She knows um, that we're talking about dogs. Yeah, and she's like, but now you're talking about. Things Zelda. that have food nicknames, like me, yeah. the bun. The bun. Um, I call roommate, that mysterious third roommate's cat is Noodle. <laughs> yeah, I call her Noodle. I've called her Potate. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes Jack and I will refer to her as Gnocchi Noodle Pierogi of the Soft Floof. Aww. She has Soft Floof, so she she's got a full really title. Soft. And yeah. it's Pierogi. Because she looks like a Pierogi. <laughs> I'll tell you, my, compared to Zelda, because I know Zelda doesn't like tummy rubs. No, she does not. Mona will just, like, show her belly. She's like, rub it, like, bitch. <laughs> Whereas um, Zelda's like, go ahead, touch it. Enjoy your death. Enjoy your death. You're a little murder blood. Yeah. I had catnip on my hand today, and Mona Ooh. chewed on me a little bit. Not hard, but just in the, uh, I'm going to numb on this and drool on your hand because you've got you've the got catnip. The, you've got the nip. Mm. <laughs> like we said earlier, we love cats. We love cats, but we also love dogs. So let me talk about Komainu. Yes, let's. Chip and potato. Does this look familiar to you? Yes. They are Shishi. Basically, Shishi is a stone lion, and that's usually the Chinese name. Yes. But it's Goryeo, which is an ancient Korean dynasty dog, hmm. but can be called Shishi, which usually refers only to the left-hand Komainu, and I'll talk about that in just a second. Okay. Their habitats are shrine, temples, and holy areas. You've probably seen one of these before. If you've seen giant dogs guarding something in Japanese pop culture, then yes, yeah. you've seen a Komainu. I'll post a picture on the Instagram, but yeah. you will I'll, recognize I'll it. I'll send you all these illustrations. Great. Um, Komainu are noble holy animals who are usually employed as guardians of holy areas. They can range in size from a small dog to the size of a lion due to the resemblance of both creatures. They are hmm. often called lion dogs in English. They have thick curly manes and tails, powerful muscular bodies, and sharp teeth and claws. Some Komainu have large horns like a unicorn on their heads, but mo many are hornless. So I've seen some, yeah, they'll have that unicorn horn. A lot of them don't. So what you're saying is some are horny? Yes. 
Koma Inu are fierce and noble. It's not just like, I just won't acknowledge it. And it'll go away. <laughs> it'll go away. <laughs> I'm just going to sidestep that one real hard. I'm just going to, I know what you're doing and I'm not allowing it. <laughs> they're, they're fierce and noble beasts. They act like watchdogs, guarding gates and doorways and preventing the wicked from entering. They live together in male-female pairs and are always found together. In their pairs, the female usually guards those living inside of the place they guard, while the males guard the structure or place itself. Komainu are a ubiquitous symbol at holy places in Japan. Stone Komainu statues are almost always found at the entrance to Shinto shrines, mm. often with more inside the shrine guarding the important buildings. The pairs are usually carved in two poses, one with its mouth open in a roaring position, and then one with its mouth closed. Symbolically, these creatures re- represent yin or yang, uh, which are death and life. The open mouth Komainu represents a, while the closed mouth Komainu represents un. These sounds are the Japanese transliteration of the Sanskrit om, a mystical syllable which symbolizes the beginning, middle, and end of all things. Basically, a Western analogy would be alpha and omega. Yeah. So that's what those dogs are. It's also frequently when you see Western depictions of meditation, they'll say om, Mm -hmm. and it's because that's the sacred syllable. Yeah. So... The Koma Inu originally were brought to Japan via Korea, which received them from China, Hmm. which received them from India. (laughs) So if you think about the natural path and progression of like Buddhism, like this makes sense. These dogs went on a journey. Yeah, in China was where they first began to symbolize the Dharmic uh, philosophics of ancient of the Indian religions. And in China, these dogs are called shishi, which means stone lion. This name is often used in Japan too, though it only refers to the left one who has its mouth open. The right one of the two of them, so with the mouth closed, is always the koma inu. Hmm. And so a related one is the Okinawan shisa. So shisa is the one that I'm most familiar with because I collect them. Because (laughs) if you go to Okinawa, you'll find like... 500 different variations of them and they're all super cute and I have to have them all. Obviously. And yeah, like obviously I have to have every Shisa ever. Makes sense. Um, look, look how happy it looks. Oh, look oh, at right. that. It's look, 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 look at that happy butt. Where's the curly happy butt? Yeah, so that's that's the pose that, that Mona, Mona does. And she Mona's like, smell butt. my butthole. Like, smell my butthole. You're my welcome. Butthole. My butthole. I blow my butthole. If you need to pick me up, <laughs> Google the clip of the cat saying my butthole. <laughs> It is. Tap It's so good. Also, just Google cats saying human words in general. All of them are adorable. Like the cat that says, well, hi. Yeah. I think about a lot. I think about that. <laughs> I, I say that a lot. So I, many cats in the dog I, episode. I, I yell that a lot from the toilet whenever I poop. I believe you. Like when I'm at home, not at school, but like when I'm at <laughs> I do poop Students are like, is there a weird fucking ghost here who has butt problems? The administration is like, I don't think Annandale's haunted, but maybe it Usually is. Jack is in the next room in his office and he just hears me going boom, 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 <laughs> through the bathroom door. Jesus. Anyway, Shisa. Anyway, Shisa. It's the new Q. She saw seashells by the seashore. <laughs> Which is apt because they're in it Okinawa. Is, it's on the sea. Yeah, it's on the sea. See? So, sure. Um, the Ryukyuan position, uh, pronunciation of shishi, or another pronunciation of kumainu, right, is shisa, shishi, shisa. The habitat is shrines, castles, graveyards, villages, and often found on rooftops in Okinawa. And sticking their butts into the air. Sticking their butts in the air. They just like as is are, their purview. It's it's really common to just see them like chilling on a roof or chilling on the front gate of someone's house. Nice. It is a carnivorous little buddy. All right. So Shisa are small lion-like yokai, which are found throughout Okinawa in close proximity to humans. They're very similar to Komainu, but they're, one, native to Okinawa and only found in the Ryukyu archipelago and the southernmost islands of Japan. So like Amami Oshima or like ones that are a little bit north of Okinawa. Mm -hmm. And then they're smaller, more dog-like than their Japanese medium-sized dog-lion hybrids and much, much smaller than the Chinese large and very lion-like cousins. So they're like... Corgi size. They're, <gasps> they're, they're very, they're fun size they're fun dogs. Size. So, <laughs> again, they're still the guardian deities found in pairs, but you'll find sometimes find solitary ones either perched on the roof of a house that they guard, and then while the komainu are used as like imperial guardians or temple guardians, the like for Shinto shrines and stuff, the mm-hmm. Ryukyuan ones are usually used as house or village guardians. And you'll find them, again, like, on your house rooftop, on a village gate, on a castle, or on a gravesite. And again, still a male and female 
uh, pairs. They This behavior was likely imported from Japan after the Ryukyu Islands were conquered. Mm-hmm. There's some more disagreement over the genders in Okinawa, where there are some who say that the open mouth she says the female and the closed mouth one is male. And then other people are like, no, it's like the one in Japan where the open mouth one is the male and the closed yeah. mouth one is female. So I would say in Okinawa, they have better ideas about gender fluidity (laughs) (laughs) or like that gender is a construct it Um, sure is and yeah so it's just basically more of like a homey like closer to people type of komainu where komainu are more like look we're gonna you know protect the gods or Mm -hmm. whatever the shisa are like we're gonna protect our buddies the humans yay and show our butts to everything because they are good dogs they're very they're newsflash they're all good dogs sasha I mean, every dog is a good dog. It's true. To quote, we rate dogs on Twitter. Mm, They're all good dogs, Brent. Yeah. Ooh. Okay. There's also the okuri inu. I forgot to mention this one earlier when I was saying which dogs I was talking about. But this is basically translated to the sending off dog. (gasps) So it can also be the okuri okami, which is a sending off wolf. What's off Um, dog? What's off dog? You'll find them on dark mountain passes and forested roads. And again, they're carnivorous and particularly fond of humans. Yum. They are a nocturnal dog or wolf-like yokai who haunts um, mountain passes, forested roads, and similar locations. They resemble ordinary dogs and wolves in all but their ferocity. They are much more dangerous than their mortal counterparts. They will follow lone travelers late at night on the road. This can be a spooky or a not spooky dog. Like, or rather, a murderous or not murderous dog. I vote for murder, but I, I was that's gonna say, always... All dogs are good dogs, even when they... Look, if they're murdering, Listen, they have a very, a very good reason, good reason to, to, right? Because they're all good dogs. As we all know from the 19, early so, 90s classic, All Dogs Go to Heaven, they're all good dogs, Brent. <laughs> yeah, so basically, here, here's one way that maybe they might kill you. Yay! They will follow lone travelers late at night on the road. Okay. It stalks them keeping a safe distance, but following footstep for footstep as long as the traveler keeps walking. If the traveler should trip or stumble, the Okuri Inu will pounce on them and rip them to shred. Basically, they're sending them off to the next realm of life. Counterpoint, you're so clumsy that you're tripping on the road. Maybe the dog's doing you a favor. Yeah, right? Or maybe you were a bad person. It can also be a blessing. Because they are so ferocious that while they're following someone, no other dangerous yokai or wild animals will come close. So as long as you keep your footing, you're safe. So basically... So they're a friend dog. Kind of. Traveling in the dark over root-infested Rocky Mountain footpaths, especially for merchants carrying large packs of whatever it is they're going to sell, doesn't make for easy footing. So it's almost like um, like a lesson, yeah. right? Like, get to your destination as fast as you can, because mm-hmm. otherwise it's going to get dark, it's going to get harder to see, you might hurt yourself, right? And think about, like, if you sprained your ankle or tripped or fell or something, people might not find you, and yeah. they'll find you when you're dead later. So they're like, oh, the, explanation the is dog that, got him. Right. Yeah, so that's that's one example of one. Hoko is another one who is looks like a monkey. I think you've talked about this one before, have you? I don't think I have. No, okay. I think I would remember that face. face okay. It's a face only so, a mother could love. Hoko is based on a Chinese name for the same creature, which is literally Evergreen Lord. It lives in forests, and its diet is unknown. It's a nature <laughs> spirit which ha- inhabits 1,000-year-old trees, and it resembles a black dog with no tail and a human-like face. A face only a mother could love. All right. <laughs> Being a tree spirit, the hoko is said to be similar to a kodama or a yamabiko. Mm-hmm. We've talked about yamabiko. Yeah, we've before. talked about yamabiko. And despite this a similar appearance, it is a separate yokai from the yamabiko. Most encounters are accidental. It's usually an old woodcutter chopping into a camphor tree with an axe, and then blood comes out of the tree because a hoko was living inside. Oop. If you guys are familiar with camphor trees, that's the tree that Totoro lives in oh. <laughs> as well. So uh, be careful. That was making me think of, I think it's a Ray Bradbury short story where the guy invents a thing that lets him listen to plants, Mm -hmm. and then he, like, axes a tree, and then, like, the scream is so upsetting to him that he goes inside and he gets, like, some hydrogen peroxide and he, like, cotton balls it down and then, like, wraps a bandage around the tree. Yeah. And then my last one is the Yamabiko, which I'm just going to just mention. It is basically 
a, an echo. It's written with the characters meaning mountain boy. And it <laughs> lives in forested mountains and valleys and inside camphor trees, just like the Hoko. Yeah. But the Yamabiko is that the guy dog who does who's like the shrugging dog, or it's like what? He's like, like I don't know what yeah. you want. And again, it's just basically the thing that they use to explain what an echo is. It's um, broken back at you. And it usually is like a false echo. It might be attributed to Kodama, um, but the Yamabiko is cross between a dog and a wild monkey. And they're skilled at mimicking any sounds, including natural words, human language, and also, more recently, trains and cars. Oh! Yep. There's a bird. It is really good at mimicking the sound of anything it hears. So it does, like, car alarm sounds, and it sounds like a car alarm. Oh, no. That's crazy. It's bananas. Let me see if I can find the name of that bird. This isn't the bird episode, but I just love birds. I love all animals. Oh, all animals are good. All animals are good. The superb lot a space in the forest to serve as his concert platform. To persuade females to come close and admire his plumes, he sings the most complex song he can manage. And he does that by copying the songs of all the other birds he hears around him, such as the kookaburra. It's a very convincing impersonation. Even the original is fooled. He can imitate the calls of at least 20 different species. Also, in his attempt to outsing his rivals, incorporates other sounds that he hears in the forest. That was a camera shutter. And again. And now a camera with a motor drive. It's fucking bananas. sounds of foresters and their chainsaws working nearby. That's like the most depressing one. It is. But also, what the fuck that this bird can make those fucking noises. The the, the motor drive of the film That's is insanity. Because like, at that part of the clip, which is a David Attenborough clip, you can find it on YouTube, you can see the bird's mouth moving, so you know it's coming out of the bird, but it's Click, click, whirr. It feels so fake. It but, feels, but it's not. Because, well, like, I mean, but we know that, you know, parrots can do mimicry, so can parakeets, and then, yeah, the bird in Twin Peaks that goes, Laura, <laughs> Laura, stop, you're hurting me. Science roommate texts, are y'all looking at videos of liar birds? <laughs> no. No. It's the dog episode. <laughs> you ready to hear about Celtic hounds? I am. All right. So this comes from Wikipedia, irishfolklore.wordpress.com, askaboutireland.ie, folkrealmstudies.weebly.com. Ireland! In Gaelic lore, Celtic hounds pop up pretty frequently. Many are your standard dog, usually depicted as Irish wolfhounds, greyhounds, or Scottish deerhounds, but some are spoopy and mythical. One such dog is the Cushy. I just want Sasha to know. Look how it's spelled. Yeah, that's like one of those words that yeah. like, Jack and I were looking at the other day, and he was like, it's this. And I was like, no. No, turns out Wikipedia's pronunciation guide says this. And he's yeah, like, what the fuck? Cushy. Cushy. There's a D in it. Not that you'd know from saying. The Cushy, which means fairy dog, is a chonky boy about the size of a large calf. It lives in the hills, although the Scottish variety roams the highlands with impunity, as I put in my notes, hashtag living the dream. Hashtag living the dream. It usually makes a little den in rocky crevices, which is pretty cute. I support it. The Cushy may have shaggy dark green fur, green because that's typically the color associated with fairies, but that's more common in the Scottish depiction of it. Mm-hmm. In Celtic lore, it is usually black, although it is occasionally white with red ears. I don't know if, like, the inside of the ears are red or if it's just got, like, red, red ears. Yeah. ears. I don't know. Hmm. Maybe it's just going through a punk face. Yeah. 
In both cases, it has glowing eyes and a long curly tail that is sometimes braided. Aww. I put in my notes, I know that it is a big scary dog, but so cute. So cute. They braided his little tail. Like a little horse. Like a little fancy horse boy. He's so fancy. Its paws are the size of a man's hand. Respect. Respect. The Kushi is often a harbinger of death and may help usher souls to the afterlife. Generally, the Kushi is silent, so if it's hunting you, you're never going to know. But sometimes it will bark just three times. Each bark is so loud that it can be heard even out to sea. If you heard the first two barks, take cover. Legend has it that if you hear the third bark, you will die of sheer terror. Particularly at risk were women who were nursing babies, not because they would die from the barks, but because the Kushi would kidnap them and use them to nurse the children of the Dawanshi. Look how that one's spelled. Oh my god. Like, why do you do this to me, gay? Like, all I ever did was love you. It's like the name Siobhan. It's just like the name Siobhan or Saoirse or like any number of Gaelic names, which has so many extra letters. I watched This Way Up with Ashling B., Ashling B, whose name is not spelled the way you say it, and her character's name is Anya, but it's spelled A-I-N-E. Anya. Sure. The Dao and Shi are the forefathers of the gods who live in fairy mounds, and apparently they get the Kushi to do their bidding. So they, mm. they send the Kushi out. The Kushi's like, a woman who is nursing. They kidnap the woman. The woman then nurses the baby Dao and Shi, who then become, who give birth to gods, etc., etc. Okay. And the line sure. perpetuates itself. And that's that's pretty much it on Celtic counts. Because like I said, I thought I was going to be talking about the Cúhelén, mm-hmm. which is, in fact, not a dog, despite meaning the dog of Cúhelén. It's not actually Instead a we're dog. Talking about it's a dude. A giant dog who kidnaps breastfeeding women. That seems fine. That seems fine. That's fine. Do you want to talk about ghost dogs? Yeah. And then you'll close us out with, with hero good dogs. dogs. All right. All dogs are good. All dogs are good dogs. But particularly heroic dogs. But especially these dogs. Now let's talk about ghost dogs. Hell this is yeah. Courtesy of dogtime.com. It's always dog time. That's my secret. New York Post, Patch.com, Hollyhotel.com, North Carolina Ghost.com, and UntappedCities.com. Mm. The Holly Hotel in Holly, Michigan is allegedly haunted AF, with their website proclaiming they are the most haunted hotel in America. Hmm. But take that with a grain of salt. Literally every hotel that says it's haunted says it's the most haunted hotel in America. So, is it this one? Eh. It isn't just the ghosts of humans wandering the halls. There is a four-legged friend who calls the hotel home as well. Leona the Rat Terrier belongs to the Holly Hotel's first formal hotelier. Back when it was the Hearst Hotel, Mr. Hearst was the proprietor and lord of the house. He died in the 1920s, though even he still turns up around the premises wearing a fancy frock coat and a top hat, and he smells like cigars, which is how you know he's there. Can you imagine, like, owning a hotel and then being like, I think I'll spend my ghost retirement here? <laughs> yeah, the best part is the I think the hotel burned down, or, like, at least a part of it burned down in, like, the 19-teens. Uh-huh. And so the speculation is that Mr. Hurst comes back because he doesn't like the way it was rebuilt. Oh, So he comes back he and he's just like... I could be living my ghostly retirement, but y'all douchebags redecorated my hotel and I don't like it. (laughs) So, anyway. Mr. Hurst was the proud owner of Leona, the rat terrier, so it makes sense that even in death, the two still hang out in the hotel. Leona is usually heard running up and down the halls and phantom barking at things and people, especially in the early morning hours around the kitchen. And I put in my notes, Bork, bork, Leona demands chicken. It, usually it's chefs who report hearing the ghostly barks. Bork, bork. So I think Leona's just like, excuse me. Can I, I, have I can't help chicken? but notice you have little a chicken. And I can have little a chicken as I a treat. Chicken. Little a chicken. Leona also likes to rub up against people's legs, which is really cute and I love it. So Aww. Holly Michiganders, maybe check out this hotel when it it's is like safe for you to do so. It's like a little bit north of Detroit. Oh. I checked it out. Uh, it's like... Yeah, that's very convenient. That's if you live fair. near Detroit, maybe go check it out when it is safe for you to do so. And that's say hi to Leona the Pupper. My grandparents and Dr. Elisa Lucas. Nice. And then, yeah. Okay. <laughs> then you have Valle Crucis, North Carolina. It's a small mountain town named for the two streams that meet at right angles in the middle of the valley. Valle Crucis is Latin for Valley of the Cross. Oh, so the, where it crosses. Yeah, the streams okay. cross at a 90 degree angle, making a cross shape. So they're like, boom, it names itself. It's a pretty basic small town. Like, there is a spooky mist in the morning, but, like, it's a mountain town. You get spooky mist mist constantly. Like, I was in, where was I? I don't even fucking remember. Asheville, North Carolina. 
and it's up in the mountains. So guess what? There was mist. It happens. It seems like a normal sleepy little town. Nothing's out of place. Until nightfall. Ooh. Two young men were driving along Highway 194 at the edge of town, driving past the small stone church that is an icon of Valacrucis. It was a quiet night, and the full moon shone on the town without any clouds to slow it down. And that was when the two young men saw something step out from beyond the shadows of the church's graveyard. The huge shadow leapt out from the graveyard and landed in the road in front of them. The driver swerved and slammed on the brakes, determined to avoid whatever had just come out of the darkness. When they were safely stopped, both young men turned to look at what nearly had caused the accident. But it was a dog. Hmm. But not just any dog. This dog was huge, allegedly as tall and wide as a full-grown man. It was covered in bristling black fur, and its massive yellow teeth were shown through its snarl. The dog's eyes were glowing, though it wasn't from any kind of reflected light. The men described it that the eyes were red and terrifying, like the fires of hell. One young man turned to the other. Do you see that? he asked. No, his friend replied, and neither do you. So at this point in my research, Sasha was already over. And this is where I started was laughing. Was you were laughing? Yes. Yeah, Because this is sense. 100%, if it were us in the car, I'd be like, you see that, right? And you'd be like, no, you don't either. Let's leave. <laughs> we're, we're good. We're, we're just, just uh... you know what? We're just not going to talk about this anymore. We're just going to go. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> so the massive dog started to make its way towards the car. Without saying another word, both men silently agreed on their course of action. The driver slammed on the gas pedal, roaring off down the mountain road in excess of 80 miles per hour. Phew, said the passenger. But then the driver looked in the rearview mirror and noticed that the dog was still following them. Ah! Not only was it keeping up, it was gaining on them. It's a fast dog. It's a very fast dog. Panicking, the two young men braced themselves for the inevitable moment when the dog caught up to them and tore the car to shreds with its massive teeth. Holy shit. But just as the dog was about to catch them, their car crossed over the bridge where the two streams met in a cross. Recoiling, the dog stopped following them. The men did not slow down, only watched it fade into the distance, trying to slow their racing hearts. The two men drove into Boone, North Carolina, and went to the local Waffle House because it was the only place nearby that was open 24 hours and they knew that neither of them would be able to sleep that night. I mean... This is the other part that made me laugh because they went to the Waffle House. I... (laughs) (laughs) I would maybe go for an IHOP instead. Yeah, but IHOP's not open 24 hours. Waffle House is. Uh, The one in Burke is open. (laughs) Oh. So they should have just kept driving through Boone to go to Burke, Northern Virginia and then be like, we're going to the IHOP. (laughs) I've realized we just went through something harrowing, but I really don't want Waffle House. But consider IHOP. Counterpoint, IHOP. <laughs> and I really like that story. It's, it's a quality story. And then finally, I have a feel-good story of the ghost dog of Prospect Park. In New York. In New York. Starting in 2008, Brooklyn residents were haunted by a big black dog in Prospect Park. Visitors to the park would spot the huge black dog one moment, but then, when they looked again... It would vanish. Basically, many visitors would come to the park, they'd see the dog, and then they'd go to find, like, a park official to be like, hey, there's a dog dog wandering around. And then by the time they got back with the official, the dog, nowhere to be seen. I mean, it could just be a fast dog who doesn't want to be found. It could be. We're going to check off's gun, the concept (laughs) of very fast dogs (laughs) (laughs) that doesn't want to be found. The dog would eventually become a legend known as the ghost dog of Prospect Park. Or it could be a grim. It could be. Could be a grim. For four years, Ghost Dog maintained his ghostly reputation. The only time he would be consistently seen is when he emerged from the woods to romp with any pet that came to play. But when humans got too close, he would make himself scarce. Hmm. Then the magic happened. In 2012, Sean Casey, owner of a Kensington-based animal shelter, spotted Ghost Dog and was able to bring him in. Hmm. Ghost Dog was not, in fact, a friendly apparition. He was a 109-pound cane corso mastiff who allowed himself (laughs) to be caught this time because he was limping due to a knee injury. Which, it wasn't the fault of, like, nobody was mean to this dog. It's just, in big dogs, the injury he had is very common. Because he's just... he's he's a mastiff? He's a massive boy. Oh, my God. He weighs 109 pounds. 
So they, he was rehabilitated and eventually put up for adoption. While I can't find an update about who took him in, over 100 people applied to give the mythical pup a good home. So I'm pretty sure he's living out his days comfortably indoors. You ready to see the ghost dog of Prospect Park? He's yeah, real cute. Yeah, is he real cute? He's real cute. He's real cute. He's, he's a big boy. We'll post a picture of him on the Instagram, but hello. Oh, that's a big boy. He's a big boy. Those are flowers. Wait, was it a cat in the flowers? Yes. Oh my god. <laughs> they also have dogs. 1-800-Flowers has pet-shaped flower baskets. They, they sure made the flowers do. out of dog. Uh, sorry, they made the dogs out of flowers. They, they made the flowers, they made out, the of flowers out of dog. That's oh. horrifying. I don't like that. There he it's is. It's like me earlier today when I was trying to Google pork tenderloin cook time and I typed in and said out loud pet, pet tenderloin. tenderloin. Because I was also looking for pet safe ant traps because we have an ant problem. Oh, look how boy. sweet he is. He's so sweet. Anyway, he's just a big boy. He's but they called him boy. the ghost dog of Prospect Park. And, um, Prospect, Prospect Bork. Yeah, and so he was just a fast dog that didn't want to be caught. And Prospect then, Bark. Prospect Bark. Great, that's the name the of the episode. Time. Now tell me about hero dogs. Hero, hero dogs. dogs. Hero dogs. Hero dogs. Hero dogs. Okay. Hero, hero, hero dogs. 11-year-old Austin Foreman was collecting firewood in his backyard when he noticed his dog, Angel, sticking unusually close to his side. Soon, Austin realized why. He was attacked by an unseen cougar. Oh, no! Angel fearlessly leaped at the cougar to protect his owner, and while the dog and the giant cat were fighting, Austin ran to the house and told his mom, There's a cougar eating Angel! Oh, no! She immediately called 911, but by the time authorities arrived, Angel had suffered deep wounds and his survival seemed uncertain. Oh, no! However... Angel stunned everyone by getting up despite his injuries to make sure Austin was okay. Aww. And thankfully, Angel was too. Yay! Yay! On the morning of St. Patrick's Day in... Can I just say I was going to flip my shit if you started oh, yeah. no, us no, no, off no. with a really sad oh, no, 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 story? Oh, no, 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 I promise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I promise that's not, okay, good. not a thing. On the morning of St. Patrick's Day a few years ago, Peanut, the dog's Peanut. owner, said that her rescue dog started acting a bit crazy. After running around and barking all over the house, the owner finally let Peanut outside. The dog forcefully led her owner through the field behind her, their house to a three-year-old girl who was naked <gasps> and shivering in a ditch. Holy shit! Peanut's owner wrapped the young girl in a sweatshirt and called the authorities. Peanut was sadly no stranger to suffering. When she was rescued, she was in bad shape. She had broken ribs, broken legs, and a belly full of carpet. Perhaps oh. that's what made her so attuned to the pain of the little girl. Oh, good job, Peanut. Good job, Peanut. Once I'm again, send us your pets that are named after food or just send us more pictures of Drebin. Patricia Drauk was in her garden when suddenly she realized her 14-month-old son, Stanley, had disappeared. She searched everywhere for uh, and finally found him. He was face up in the pool and his high eyes were rolled back in lips blue. But luckily, Stanley wasn't alone in the pool. The family dog, Bear, was with him and standing perfectly still underneath the boy in order to keep the boy's head above water. Aww. Authorities later confirmed Stanley had almost drowned, so Stanley was okay. Yeah. And uh, owes Bear his life. And Angela Marcelino rescued Maya from the Humane Society, and a few years later, Maya returned the favor. Angela was entering her home one night, and when an attacker shoved her inside the house, <gasps> no! the man grabbed her by the throat and slammed the door. Her struggle got Maya's attention, and the dog attacked the assailant, giving Angela enough time to hit the man's groin. Yay! He released Angela and fled. This wasn't the end, though. Some of his blood was left on Maya's face, so the authorities were able to arrest the attacker. <gasps> good job, Maya. What a good pup! Kathy Vaughn was heading to Atlanta for an antique show when her car caught on fire. Kathy is paralyzed from the waist down, so evacuating the vehicle quickly and easily wasn't an option. She began trying to assemble her wheelchair, but the smoke made her disoriented. Luckily, her dog Eve was still sharp and totally fearless, so she dragged her owner out of the vehicle and into a nearby ditch. Yay! Soon the entire vehicle went up in flames, but Eve's Plus heroism yay. didn't surprise her owner. She just loves me. She helps me all the time, Aww. Kate Kathy said. <laughs> In 2004, Brutus saw a venomous snake approaching a child. He bravely attacked the snake to protect the child. Sadly, Brutus was bitten, but he recovered in time to receive his National Hero Dog Award. Good boy, Brutus. Good boy. Frisky and owner George Mitchell were in a bad shape when Hurricane Katrina hit. As the storm created terrible flooding, George was left with no other option but to tread water and wait for rescue. For hours in, he began to lose faith and decided to give up. But somehow Rip Frisky saw that his owner was losing his will to go on, and he came over and started nuzzling and kissing his master. <gasps> the act snapped George out of it. He realized he had to go on, partly because if he didn't make it, what would happen to Frisky? Oh. Both of them survived, and Frisky lived to be 19. <gasps> Way to go, Frisky! Right? I couldn't ever express the closeness between us, said Mitchell. Aww. This is about a Yorkie. <gasps> Joe's owner, 
So Joe, the dog's name is Joe. This is Joe. Oh my god, he's so cute. I fucking love Yorkies. So Joe's cute. owner, Deborah Epstein, was home recuperating after a recent car accident, and she forgot to shut her front door. Shut the front door. A black bear. Oh no! Saw its chance and shuffled right into her house. <laughs> Deborah's six-pound Yorkie was not on board with the intruder, and when the bear started going after his dog food, that was the last straw. Joe chased the bear straight out of the house. I love that story. One, because Joe weighs six pounds. Two, what because I love- black bears are so high-strung, they are very easy to scare away from your shit. Like, there are, there are a lot of videos of house cats treeing black bears. Yeah. Because the house cat is like, hey, fuck, fuck you. you. And the black bear is like, ooh, shit, sorry, I didn't realize. I'm so sorry. I'm going to go. But I love, he's like, excuse you, who do you think you are eating my dinner? Right? <laughs> um, Amazing. I'm very see. pleased. Okay. And then I'm going to leave it at that because there was one that was kind of sad. Oh, I mean, yeah. the, all the dogs are okay in these stories, but, but there was one that was like, mm, that one, a little sad. A little sad. So we'll end it on Joe scaring away. Joe fucking scaring away the, be- the giant bear. Was six like, pound Joe. Six pound Joe is like, hey, that's my food. Six pound Joe is like, you came to the wrong house, motherfucker. <laughs> Listen, I'm only six pounds. I need all the food I can get. Get the fuck out of here, you bear. <laughs> I can't bear it. Although, I also really like bears, too. I do, too. Yeah. I just, I love... I just don't want a bear coming into my house. No. If you're going to have a bear in your house, a black bear is probably your best bet, because, again, they're they're very high-strung. Isn't that Lord Byron's pet? I don't know if it was a black bear. It was a bear. <laughs> Lord Byron had a bear. Yes. We got a trivia question about that, and I was like, everyone out of my way, I know the answer. <laughs> everyone out of my way! <laughs> I was like, it's Lord Byron. He was being a real dick. I found a rule that said no dogs in the dorms, and he was like, you said no dogs, but not no animals. <laughs> <laughs> he used to joke that the bear was going to get a degree, too. So, you know, good times. He might be smarter than the average bear. Thanks for listening, you guys. <laughs> Tell us your favorite stories of spooky dogs, ghost dogs, dogs who have saved people from upsetting things, like Even Drevin if, last week who helped out listener Cassie. Yeah, or funny dog stories if you're like, yeah. my dog had a cone and got stuck in the door. Love it. <laughs> Share your dog stories. Let's do it. Maybe we'll do an Instagram post for everybody who sent us pictures of their pets. We could do yeah. like one Instagram master and, post. Yeah, and again, all of the cute doesn't pets. have to be dogs. Can also be cats. Can be rats, can be anything, really. The the group chat the other day turned into a, here are photos of all of our pets taking naps on us. Good. And then today, one of my coworkers texted the group chat and said, I'm a dad again. And we were like, wait, what? Uh Uh-oh. Because he literally had his third, or not he, his wife pushed out their third kid last summer. And we were like, we were like... Jeff, what the fuck? Did you, you didn't impregnate tell us? her again? No, he and his kid went to the pet store and adopted a bearded dragon. Oh, send us your bearded dragons. Yeah, their, if their you pet have dog, a pet. Had, their pet dog had to be put down a few uh, months ago, or it was yeah. like last last school year. Basically, yeah. she wasn't in a good way. Yeah, and so they didn't have a pet. And then his son, who's like seven years old, was like. What if a bearded dragon? Love it. <laughs> so send they, us your bearded dragon. Send us your bearded dragon. There is. I follow the Reddit relationships text bot on Twitter, uh, where they just pull screenshots of some of the more particularly bananas Reddit relationships posts, which is most of them, frankly. But this guy flipped out like a crazy person because his girlfriend got a fake jellyfish tank to help with her anxiety, except he posted a link to the fake jellyfish tank, and now I'm like... What that if, looks very comfort- comforting. What, what if... fake jellyfish tank? What if I got a fake jellyfish tank? Because, like, all the reviews are like, my cat loves it, it helps with my anxiety, I get to watch jellyfish float all day. It's, it's a win-win. Yeah, win-win, everybody win-win, wins. win-win. His name is Poseidon. Oh, look at look him. Look at little Poseidon. He's so cute. He's so cute. Yeah, he Send said... Send us your pet pics. I'm a dad again. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, send your pet pics. Tell us your favorite spooky pet stories. Times your pets have warned you about ghosts. Times your cats have stared at something. All of that can go to spoophour at gmail.com. We love hearing from you. If Truly. you happen to know Pippin the Corgi of the book, The Corgi Chronicles. Yes, please. Please let us know. Please let us know because we want to know that His Corgi too. His name is Piggett Pippin. Pippin. You can ride him because you're a little fairy and he's so small. Anyway, thanks for listening to our dog episode. Hopefully our dog voices didn't upset you too much. But whom among us can resist the call of a good dog? There, I sure can. She actually has a dog named Pippin. Oh, look at Pippin's corgi butt. That's a good... He waved for bacon. Now, see, you see that part right there? Yeah. That, like, particular... That's, that's the saddle. saddle. Corgis. It's so good. Pork, pork. <laughs>
Bork, bork, bork. I did call my notes spooky pupper say bork. Fox press bread equals corgi. Fox press bed press toaster equals cardigan Welsh corgi. I love it. Again, seriously, tell us your dog stories. Tell us your bearded dragon stories. Just tell us about your pets. We fucking love pets. Stay safe out there, you guys. Wash your hands. Hang in there. Do what you need to do. But also look at pictures of dogs on the internet. You won't regret it. Bork. Welcome to ShambleFest. I'm Jess. I'm Amber. And we are your one-stop weekly shop for news shambles. We're a weekly WTF and current events comedy podcast. We drop episodes every Monday morning. Tune in. Shamble on! When we went to Shilla, Jack got this little, like, honey and Nutella, like, Mm. toast thing. And he went into the other room to get water and he left it on the table. And Zelda usually leaves people food alone. She came up, she smelled it, and then she just very deliberately went, chomp on the plastic. And it was so cute that I started laughing. And then I had to explain to Jack that I didn't stop her because it was too cute. Mona is starting to develop a a small taste of human food depending, but she knows her limits. I thought you were going to say human flesh and I was like, "Uh uh-oh. She she knows not to like jump on our plates, right? But sometimes she'll come over while we're eating and she'll be like, for me? And then we'll be like, no, not for you. Or she'll be like, for me? She'll be like, for me? And then we'll be like, okay, this piece of chicken for you. And so she'll like nom on the chicken or here's a piece of string cheese and she'll (laughs) eat the string cheese. Um, usually I don't let her near my ice cream, but yesterday I was eating vanilla ice cream oh, no. and she came over she was like, for me? And I was like, do you want to smell? And then she immediately went, she's like, don't mind the deal. <laughs> so she just like went out. So I like finished my ice cream, but like the little bits of like, oh, yeah, milk yeah, in the yeah. end, I like was like, do you want? And she was like, me. And she's <laughs> like, I sure like, do. Clean the bowl for me. And I was like, this is going to be a fun quarantine. <laughs> Zelda, as ever, the only people food she cares about is cookie dough. Mm. I just remember like. Psyche straight up stealing a chicken nugget from oh, me. Oh, yeah. yeah. Psyche, Psyche is a nugget horner in her. Yeah, like, she, she's she like, will eat that chicken nug. Give me my fucking nugget, bitch. Mm. And then she will get, like, she will grab your hand if you're trying to eat something. Yep. This has been cat intermission in the dog episode. 